This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Tuesday, September the 13th. The Phillies back in action today. The stretch run truly Begins the Phillies enter play today with 22 games left on the season, sitting at 78 and 62, 16 games above 500. Phillies playing, you know, good baseball and handling business. And obviously, there have been some some down moments, like we've talked about, and some spots where you know you you question everything and um, you know well, what's going on, what can we do here. Um, but again, the Phillies have continually in each of those situations found a way to battle back to um, fight adversity and continue to improve the record. Again, at 78 and 62, they head into play today, three and a half games up on the Brewers, plus the tiebreaker, four in the loss column. They enter today, a game and a half up on the Padres, two and a half with the tiebreaker, two in the loss column. As the Phillies have situated themselves really nicely heading into this last three weeks of the season, essentially slightly over, obviously 22 games left to play for the Phils. And it starts tonight in a house of horrors historically in Miami. This is really going to test the September thing for people. The Phillies do have a winning record in September right now. And that is not something that um, we've been able to say very often. <laughs> Phillies team has it, um, but they do. They have a winning record right now in September. Um, and, you know, a chance to go into Miami and, you know, kind of kind of set things straight with the Miami history and the Alzahars thing. They've done a really nice job against the Marlins this season. Obviously, the last game they played against them wasn't great. That was the, the one they blew with the Robertson. Reese Hoskins played the Alcantara start that they should have won and didn't. But on the whole... Against the Marlins this season, against the Marlins this season, the Phillies have been good. They've handled business when they played this team and you know, as we talked about yesterday, just such a massively important three-game series because after you have ninth straight against the Braves and the Blue Jays and, uh, you know, before some easier ones to finish out before you finish in Houston. Um, but, you know, this is the the before this nine-game stretch here, which, you know, in, in can can really in a lot of ways maybe make or break this, this playoff run here. You know, if the Phillies handle business against good teams, they'll get there. And if they don't, it could be, could be dicey. Um, luckily, as we've talked about, the Brewers have a tough schedule starting today. We'll, we'll recap that later. Um, Padres just have a tough schedule the rest of the way out comparatively 
to the Phillies. Um, but this Marlins series is important because this is a, a spot here where they are facing an easier team. The Brewers are facing a tougher team. And they need to take advantage. Because, again, the Phillies are, you know, on the precipice here. You know, we have... Uh, We've waited so long for this, and we've been through so much to get to this, and it has felt, um, it, it hasn't felt close to this real at any point, obviously, certainly this late in the season, any of the last five years that they've been attempting to compete for the playoffs or four years since 2018, five seasons, four years, um, it has not felt at all um, like they were were you know, really real on September 13th. This year it obviously does as they are a playoff team as of today if the season ended. But, you know, outside of just the actual positioning of the team, it just it just does feel more real this year. This team is way, way better. They've been way better. Again, they're 70 and 62, you know? I mean, 16 games over 500. I mean, they haven't been close to that any of the last five years, period. 2018, they were kind of close for a bit. Um but you know they've been they've been that type of team at all over that stretch of, of baseball. You know we freaked out last year when they got to eight games above five hundred. It was like a momentous occasion. It was a thrilling, thrilling thing, and that was in August. They're sixteen games over. They're seventy eight, sixty two. You know the Phillies are still hurtling towards a ninety win record. <laughs> I mean that's um they're a good baseball team, and they've been a good baseball team, and they they continue to play like a good baseball team, and obviously. You know, one last massive test coming next week against the Braves and then the Blue Jays and then the Braves again. So it is going to to get real, um, really this week, end of this week against the Braves, obviously. Um, it is going to get real. But, um, but you know, I feel, I feel so much better about this team than I have any other year. And, you know, obviously I, I think we've talked about this, but it's just true. Like any Phillies fan, there's not a single Phillies fan who even with a four-and-a-half game lead, you know, with the, the tiebreaker, with 22 to play, which is a really nice lead. You know, that is, it gives you a real opportunity here. You know, if you play 500 baseball, the Brewers have to be five games better than that. You know, like, and, and they've not played that great lately. Um, and again, the tough schedule and all that, at least for, for the next couple of weeks or week. Um, so, you know, it's... um. They they position themselves really well, but you know we've we've all been here, and there's just nothing we could do to get rid of that that sense memory that you know inherent feeling in us that that you know where our hearts are going to get broken. You know our experience, our recent experience, and certainly you know honestly, really the last you know over a decade experience as Phillies fans has taught us that the season, the regular season is going to end, and we're going to be bummed about it. You know, and the season isn't going to be what we want it to be. It's not going to end the way we want it to end. And, you know, this year they're, they're in a really nice position. And, and despite that, and I, again, I've said it so many times over the last couple of months, and I still feel that the Phillies are going to make the playoffs. But not a single Phillies fan can say that they're not concerned. They won't because we've just been through it. We've just been through it. And it is impossible to sit here in September and feel fully confident no matter how good the team has been this year no matter how consistently they've taken adversity and battled back against it and handled it and and you know come through the other side in an impressive way um you know no matter how many times that happens we still can't help but feel you know September Phillies so um 
I think this series in Miami is going to do a lot for people. If they can go down and handle business, you know, it'll, it'll feel different, I think, because it is Miami, and it is September, and it is meaningful games. And that has been a horrible, horrible, horrible converse, comp, uh, combination for the Phillies over the last few years. So this is a big one. You know, they need to go handle business, and then obviously it gets a lot a lot tougher after that. We'll look at the schedules again later coming up, just the, the next, uh, what we've got right now. You know, we don't have to go through it all, but but what's coming up here with this Marlins series with the uh, the Brewers uh, and the, the Dod, uh, Padres um, with the schedules coming up. I uh, just want to get to a couple other things quickly before, um, first and foremost, mentioned yesterday, but um, you know, just having Sir Anthony back, didn't dive too much into it, but I just... Just reiterating how huge I think it is. If you want to look for a reason why you should feel confident that this team's going to play a little bit better baseball over the next stretch than they have over the last couple of weeks, and even then, like it's not like they've been bad. They just had a couple lulls here and there, and, and minor, minor lulls. The West Coast trip was a real lull, but um, I think missing Sir Anthony, and, and we talked about it again yesterday, but just has been such a massive loss for this team he really was the anchor you know he really is the the piece that makes that bullpen go he is the one who comes in whenever necessary to do the toughest of things and when you don't have that guy it really does change the chemistry of the whole thing you know it changes the the flow the roles the whole thing and and the results were there you know if you want to point to one thing one thing that, you know, if you want to say over the last two and a half weeks or three weeks where they haven't played quite as good as they played before, it's not Harper returning. It's Sir Anthony being gone. It is. It's changed everything. That I mean, how many games have they lost because of the bullpen, right? I mean, how many? It had been something that we had almost grown to just trust. And now Sir Anthony comes back, and it's just, you see it even on, on Sunday night, him pitching the eighth, allowing Robertson to go for the less tough hitters in the ninth and, and handle business. And it's like one, two, three clockwork. Coonrod is back and looking good. He needs to get in some more high leverage spots, but you know, all of a sudden with Sir Anthony back and Sir Anthony and Robertson and Alvarado and Coonrod, you know, Brogdon looks like he's going through a little dead arm thing, but you know, I still trust him to be fine. Um, you know, basically everyone except Brad Hand, you feel pretty good at that. Um, don't love when Brad Hand enters a game. Don't love when Nick Nelson enters a game. Other than that, I feel pretty good. Bilotti, good. You know, I feel good with these guys. So, you know, you're you're getting Sir Anthony back is just so huge. It really changes the whole complexion of the bullpen. And um, I think, obviously, for the stretch run and the playoffs, it is nothing more important. Obviously, Wheeler for the playoffs themselves, you know, you could say more important. But in terms of, again, you know, of the two injuries, as big as losing Wheeler has been, I don't think there's any question that losing Sir Anthony, at least for the stretch that they lost him, was a more impactful thing. Without a doubt. It's am close. Falter's been good. Falter's got outs for this team. So we'll see where Wheeler's at. Wheeler, again, you know, you hear positive things. I do think that, you know, I don't think they make all the comments they've made about, you know, him being able to pitch through it theoretically and, you know, him throwing long now and him, you know, the MRI, good, 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 all that stuff. Like, I don't think all that. And then it's like, oh, he's done. That'd be weird. It'd be a really weird um, messaging from a team, you know, um, one of the things that, you know, we don't talk about a ton. It's something Joe DeCameron loves to bring up, and he's, he's always very right about it. But the idea that, you know, teams need to, to really think about their messaging to their fan bases. You know, you don't have to be honest with your fan base always. We know that. Like, you know, if you can gain a competitive advantage by not saying something, cool, go for it. You know, Dombrowski did it at the trade deadline, right? You know, we know. They, he did it when, you know, they said he wasn't going to fire Girardi, and then he fired him. We get that stuff all the time. That's fine. But in terms of messaging things, in terms of, 
you know, promoting yourself to your fan base and, and making your fan base feel um, like your organization isn't doing you dirty, right? I mean, that's such an important thing. The relationship between the fans and a team, you know, I'm, I've talked about it many times, but I, you know, I believe that, that owners of a team have a, a, a almost fiduciary responsibility to, to the, the collective. It's a public trust owning a sports team, you know, that the Phillies, are not just a, a team that John Middleton owns that plays in Philadelphia. They are a team that has a, a generational fan base. You know, my dad was a Phillies fan. My grandfather was a Phillies fan. My daughter's going to be a Phillies fan. Her kid will be a Phillies fan, like, forever. You know, until, until there is no more baseball. The Seltzers will be Phillies fans. Your family will be Phillies fans. You know, it's a generational thing. It's something where... You know, players come and go, owners come and go, coaches come and go. We stay. We're here the whole time. This is all we got. This is our squad. Boom, done. So I do think that it is important that a, a team maintain a a relationship with that fan base, if you know what I'm saying, and, and not do them dirty and not treat them poorly and not lie to them when it's unnecessary, right? Like, again... I get it. If you need to, to be a little, you know, if you need to um, uh, maybe, you know, hide certain things or not be as open, I get it. That's cool, man. Win games. I'm, uh, competitive advantage comes first. I get it. But something like this where, you know, if he's hurt, he's hurt. There's no benefit to saying, oh, he's okay. He's long tossing. Oh, no, we trust us. He could have pitched through this. Like, like, what's the upside to come out like a week later and be like, sorry, guys, he's done. He needs Tommy John. Like that would be a disaster from a messaging standpoint. I think that there's no way that it's that serious a thing with Wheeler because uh, I just think that they would have been more cagey. They would have been more, um, a little more honest about it. They would have said, hey, listen, this isn't great. We're working on We hope you can pitch the bag. We can't. It wouldn't be him coming at me like I could have pitched. You know, I really believe that. So I do believe that Zach Wheeler will be back. I hope they can get him back with enough time to get him a start or two before the playoffs, get him kind of in gear two starts, ideally, right? Um, we'll see. We'll continue to track it. Obviously, that is now with Sir Anthony back, the kind of single most important storyline with this team heading into the playoffs, assuming they can get there, obviously. So we'll keep an eye on Wheeler. I am hopeful and positive more so than, than negative. So... We'll see how that goes. All right, we're going to look ahead in a few um, to what's coming up the next couple days for the Phillies, the Brewers, and the Padres. Quickly, a couple more bits of news. One, Zach Afflin reinstated. Great news. He'll be back on the team tonight. I don't know what the plan with Eflin is with Wheeler out. You might see him start a game and they piggyback someone with him. Um, you know, whether they start him and Falter goes the, you know, he goes three and Falter goes three or four and three or whatever. Who knows? You know, uh, it's going to be interesting. I think you know, they should start Eflin. You know, I think it's a lot easier for a Bailey Falter who's done it many times to come in and, you know, quote unquote, be the long man in that spot. Then Eflin, who's used to starting games, has his routine, his habits. We know that baseball players are creatures of habit. Um, I think G, you just let Eflin do what he does and you, you get at what you can out of him. Um, interesting spot though, you know, and Eflin, Eflin can come back and, and contribute and even give him like two, three innings, a good baseball start a game. I mean, that matters, you know, especially with Wheeler out right now and, um, you know, another arm you trust is, is always a good thing. So we'll see how that shakes out. But nice to see Eflin back. Easy to bring him up with the expanded roster. So um, really cool. Really cool to see Eflin back after, you know, the season he had. We all, you know, we, we forget, you know, the season with Zach Eflin is like the, 
you know, go two, three, four star. It was him and Ranger. It was like, wow, we got a, a three and a four, and they could both be a one A and a three or whatever. You know, hey, you know, we felt really good about it. And then Eflin, um, his season just obviously did not go the way we wanted to. But I was really excited about Zach Eflin's season. You know, I thought last year he really flashed some swinging and stuff that, you know, seemed like he had um, he had really grown as a pitcher and had taken steps forward. And um, you know, obviously, it's too bad that, that it played out this way for him. But really, to see him get back, maybe he can pitch in a playoff game for the Phils or even be on the playoff roster, it'd be exciting. It'd be exciting. So I'm excited for Eflin. He's a wonderful guy, and uh, nice to see him back. Um, all right, we're going to look ahead in a minute. First, two quick things. One, um, I want to check, uh, take a quick look at the Philly stats, see where it's been negligent. By me, if we're being honest, I mean, we have not gone through and taken a look where everyone's at in quite a while on this show, and, and mea culpa, my bad, you get wrapped up in the, the run um, of it all, and yeah, yeah, you get a little myopic with that, but um, I want to take a look at where everyone's at, just kind of, because the last time we looked, it was not great, and I feel like a lot of players have really upped it since then, but quickly, um, also just a quick shout out to uh, Albert Pujols, who, uh, who hits his 697th homer to become the fourth all-time in the history of baseball. It goes Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, and then uh, to pass, excuse me, to pass uh, for fourth all-time. And then uh, and then Albert Pools. How about that? Albert freaking Pools. Pretty uh, an unbelievable career we've talked about. I mean, you know, probably the best home, uh, best right-handed hitter of my lifetime. Easily one of the, the best right-handed hitters of all time. Um, as again, of course, Bonds. I forget to mention Bonds at the top. I'm like, goes Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth Pools. Bonds, Hank Aaron, Ruth Pools. And, and honestly, that was a uh, just a, a um, that was not purposeful. I know a lot of you are like, oh, Maris, three and run record. Like, I'm not like that. You know, Bonds at 73, I saw it happen. Like, don't care. I understand steroids were what they were, but, you know, the game was what it was. Every era of the game has some sort of thing that we don't know about, some sort of, you know, greenies, all that crap. Like, whatever. Bond's the home run king. He's the season home run king. He's the career home run king. I know that doesn't, a lot of, most people disagree. I know my buddy Jack Fritz disagrees with me. Don't care. Don't care. Bond's is the home run leader. So Bond's, Aaron, Ruth, Pools. Pretty amazing for Albert Pools. He's probably going to hit 700 here over this last little bit, which is um, a truly astonishing thing that I, uh, you, know, you never knew if you'd say after uh, after that era. So um, so pretty cool. Obviously, pull some all time, all time, all timer, inner 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 circle Hall of Famer, one of the great hitters of all time, legitimately in the history of the sport, one of the great hitters of all time. Um, so pretty neat to watch him finish out, and it's pretty neat to have seen him. You know, after he was so great for so long, and then to see him, um, you know, have this kind of resurgence at the very end here and just have this little run here because he hasn't been good for a while you know or at least really good but he's having a month you know a two-month run here um and he's breaking these records while playing good baseball and that's uh, in st louis which is cool too um so shout out to pool so I, I love that guy um respect him he's helped me win a couple fantasy baseball titles so always have his back all right uh philly stats i want to take a quick look just because it's been a while since we've looked at where the Phillies are at from a statistical perspective is, you know, the last time we looked, it was, it was ugly, but you know, things have really gone in a better way. Just, just to take a quick look down the line, just to get a feel for where guys are at since last time it was last time we, we really looked at them. You know, everyone was under 800 from an OPS perspective, pretty much. Schwarber was just over Hoskins, like slightly over, but um, really some impressive jumps here. 
JT Romita, the biggest we talked about, you know, kind of throwing him his flowers and he deserves it. He has his OPS all the way up to 813 now. JT batting 276, 348 OBP, 430, 465 slugging combined with brilliant defense combined with the you know hole he had dug himself to start the season. Miraculous. JT is having a wonderful, wonderful season. Deserves all the credit in the world. Plus, the 17 for 17 stolen bases is a pretty neat factoid that obviously they brought up a lot on the broadcast and stuff, but very cool. Hoskins, even with his recent struggles, the OPS is still 815. Great to see there. 341 on base, 474. Slugging a little low but than normal, but you're solid. Segura at 745. Dude's batting 282. You like to see that. Bomer still getting it done. Alec Bomer is batting 293 on the season as um, you know the power is hit or miss. Um, only 11 homers on the season. Obviously, that massive, massive one against the Nats the other night. But um, you know, nice to see um, Bohm continue to put the bat on the ball and put it in play. Schwarber has struggled a bit lately. The uh, OPS has dropped below 800. He's at 795 right now from an OPS perspective. Obviously, uh, the 312 OBP is hurting him a little bit there. You want to see that up, especially for a guy at the top of the lineup, 43 slugging lower than it was before, but still solid. He still has 37 home runs. So, from that perspective, a hell of a season. But, um, you know, Schwarber has struggled a bit lately. You want to see him pick it up. Speaking of someone who's picked it up, I mean, Bryson Stott, how long did we do the Bryson Stott? So, under 200, uh, that whole thing. Dude's batting 233 right now. I mean, that's amazing when we think about how long he was under 200. Um, he's got the OPS up to 657. Um, just so impressed with that guy. And obviously, you know, the numbers are all over the place. Twitter, this net. Nine home runs, by the way. Only two less than Bohm. A lot less bats, too, as he has uh, had 356 at bats to Bohm's 501. 387 plate appearances to Bohm's 538. So almost, like, a basically 150 less plate appearances. He's got only two less homers. I think Stott, you know, especially when you look at the numbers the last month, whatever, you know, it's been the last two months, over 300, all that stuff. He's been great. What a, what a piece for the future. Um, and, you know, it's funny because Edmundo Sosa uh, keeps playing. You want Stott to play every day, but Edmundo Sosa's numbers with the Phillies, are ready for this? Slashing 347, 377, 653. Edmundo Sosa has a 1030 OPS as a Philly. Why not? Right? Love it. What a trade that was. Um as again, the Phillies, um, you know, the numbers looking good, you know, looking better as we've seen improvement. We'll obviously then the season dive into all this stuff and really see how it all played out. From a pitching perspective, Nola, 3 3 1 ERA, um, has, has really been good. Had a couple down moments, good. Um, Wheeler out, 307. Ranger at 362 is, um, you've got his ERA to a nice spot. Gibby's obviously looks ugly, but he's had some bad outings. Um, Ultimately, the bullpen, though, you look at all these guys, like down the line, Bellotti 340, Sir Anthony 160, Alvarado 374, Hand 232, that's misleading. Um, you know, Brogdon 306, Robertson 276, Coonrod 372. You know, this is um is good. It's good. Look at all these bullpen guys, lower ERAs than we could uh, possibly imagine. It's almost a miracle. You look at it like that. All right, uh, let's look ahead as, again, um, you know, big couple days of baseball here as the Phillies really need to take advantage of this opportunity with the Marlins. They still have the Cubs and the Nationals on the back end of their long stretch, which is great. So it goes for the Phillies. Three in Miami starting tonight. Falter against Alcantara, like, of course, yet again. Uh, Gibby versus Edward Carrera. Edward Carrera is really good. You know, they're getting no no breaks here. Uh, and then Syndergaard versus Lopez. Pablo has really struggled. Gave up eight runs in his last outing. Still better than Syndergaard. You know, you look at this, the one thing I will say that's, you know, not what you want. Any new series that the Marlins have the pitching advantage in all three games. Um, 
undoubtedly, I would say. Though I guess, you know, Lopez really has struggled lately, and Syndergaard's been fine. So, um, but, you know, Alcantara way over Falter, Cabrera way over Gibson. Um, so that's tough, but but still it's the Marlins. They haven't hit well. The Phillies need to go in there and handle business because then, obviously, as we know, it's three in Atlanta, then home for two against Toronto and four against Atlanta before seven easy ones, three in uh, Chicago and then four in Washington, finishing out in Houston. Brave series of four at home, the end of the homestand there, uh, ending on my birthday, September 25th. How about that? Um, what a day that's going to be. The last home game of the year against the Braves. Carson Wentz and the Eagles are facing each other. It's going to be a hell of a day. My birthday coming through from a sports perspective. Um, but that's a big one. It's a big series coming up. So this series, Miami, again, so important for positioning here. As again, you know, the Phillies um, trying to, to maintain as big a lead as they can heading into this, you know, trying to, to get as many games up as they can before this nine-game stretch because that is the toughest stretch they have left. And look, the Braves are fighting for the division still. Um, and the Blue Jays obviously fighting for a playoff spot too, so it's going to be tough. All right, Brewers, just the next games here. They have two against St. Louis. They're in St. Louis for two. And then a day off, and then the Yankees come to town this weekend. So you feel good about that. That means that while the Phillies are playing the Marlins, the Brewers are playing the Cardinals. So that that's that's good stuff right there. You you got to take advantage and hope the Cardinals can finish it out, close it out there with them. And also the Padres are playing the Mariners, who are also way better than the Marlins before they head to Arizona for the weekend. So um, you know this spot here, the Phillies face the Marlins. The teams are going up against are facing better opponents at least for the next two days. So take advantage, gain some games, win these games. Massive, massive start tonight. Thank God Bailey Falters on the hill, right? Who'd have thunk we would ever say that? But it's true, dude's been great. You need him. He's been tough. Uh, need him nothing else on contract because it is a big one. Um, as we are almost there, it's stretch run time, and I'm I'm incredibly nervous, but also optimistic. So. Fingers crossed. Hope for the best. At least we got the stopper on the hill tonight. It'll be a big one. Phillies need to continue to win games that they can here before it gets tougher. Again, against the Braves, it's going to be tough. So, so big series in Miami starting tonight. Whatever happens. Either way, we'll be back to react to it tomorrow. So until then, thank you for listening to another edition of Phillies Today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Got clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.